If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode we're talking the recent commits for football and basketball, some Ute news, Utes getting drafted, and we finish up with some championship rings for the football team. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Hey, Ute Country. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Way to open up the show. Just try, I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to uh, test the audience. Are we more of a Ute nation or are we more of a Ute country? Uh, let's take an and instant poll. Are, well, I'm in San Bernardino. <laughs> so this week, Utah picks up two much-needed commits, both transfers: Alex Lockler from Marshall. And a kicker out of UCLA and Andrew Strouch. So let's first look at Alex Lockler. Uh, so again, tr- uh, transfer transfer from Marshall. He's 6'5", 330. He put on 40 pounds uh, since he got into Marshall. He played guard and tackle. I'll kick it over to you guys. What are your guys' first initial thoughts when you saw Utah getting uh, an offensive lineman with experience? I, I just think we need bodies. Um, you know, getting anybody at this point on the offensive line is 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 going to help out. It just gives us more options to uh, to fill and plug some holes, because there's just so many unknowns and so many questions in regards to the O line currently. But I'm just not so sure. Uh, you know, if if Lockler was a three year, uh, you know, starter at Marshall, it would give me a little bit more confidence. Um, but it does look like he's gotten a, even though he only has a handful of starts in his career, he's been part of the rotation playing, uh, playing pretty significant uh, amount of snaps last year. And the, really the last couple of years at a number of different positions on the O line. So I, I, I think it's good. He's going to be able to come in and at the very least, whether he earns a starting position, he at least gives us a little bit more depth um, and experience at a number of positions. So I think it's I think it's a, a great move. Um, although I wish it was maybe a little bit higher tier um, grad transfer that we that we brought in here. Yeah, I mean, kind of along kind of along the same lines. There, it's um, as we all know, offensive line is uh, 
is our biggest need at this point. And, and Scott's right. It is a, it's another body to, to go in there and, and work and practice and compete. Um, and just, and really just add to the depth. I mean, I don't, I don't really know if he's going to, if he's going to pan out. I mean, obviously you guys are making great points, right? We just, Utah needs the depth. I know that's one thing Winningham kind of talked about in, in spring ball is getting the offensive line up to, to a higher level. The thing that I really like about him, uh, what I mentioned earlier, 330 pounds. I mean, that's a big boy. And he's put on 40 pounds since high school. So to me, it shows that he's dedicated. He wants to get bigger. He wants to get better. Go it ahead, it seems ahead. like he's dedicated to eating. <laughs> <laughs> it's 40 pounds of cheeseburgers. But he's still... <laughs> granted, yes. But sometimes it's hard for guys to, to put on weight like that 40 pounds is a lot but the ability for him to that he played guard and tackle at marshall i think really helps utah because they do need depth at all the positions on the o-line yeah this the the o-line is you know as ryan just mentioned it's it's bar none the biggest question mark um going into this season and with with all the talent that we have um really at the quarterback position running back position even the wide receiver position it's really not the year um, be in this position to be so short on experience and just guys on the offensive line. And, and I know, you know, come come fall camp, I, I think things are going to be fine. But right now there's a lot of red flags going up on on this whole line and uh, the lack of experience, the lack of guys that we've got. And um, so definitely a big question mark. But uh um, I'm interested to, to just to get to fall camp, kind of hold off on uh, all this, this paranoia and just get to fall camp and kind of see how things play out when we get there. Um, and, uh, you know, really against BYU, we'll, we'll see, we'll see really where we are and if it's going to be an issue, we're going to have to deal with all season long. But we've seen over the past several years, the, the job that Jim Harding does as the season goes on, he typically gets these guys um, to gel. Sometimes it takes a few games. It, you know, it'd be really disappointing if we had all these pieces surrounding the offense, and and really the the weak link is the offensive line, which causes the offense to 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 struggle. So hopefully these guys that are coming in can add dividends and, uh, or, or at least Harding get a big coaching job ahead of him. And to those points, we'll definitely see where this line is. Uh, when, you know, Alex gets in and players like bam, that haven't been on campus yet, um, get added, Amen. added to the fold and, and see how that goes forward. Uh, let now shift over to the kicker. Chayden Johnston retires, um, from football, uh, he probably was going to be the starter. Uh, UCLA kicker Andrew Strouch uh, commits to Utah as a grad transfer. And it's really interesting because I don't think a lot of people even knew he was looking to transfer. I, I don't think many people knew he existed. <laughs> he, didn't play, he didn't play a lot at UCLA. We'll get into that. Uh, but, the, but at least getting a kicker in, into the program um, to at least add competition to that position um, it is always good. So his numbers real quick, uh, 2018, his only stats were he punted three times. Uh, he filled in against Stanford and, and punted. 2017, he didn't play at all. 
2016, he went nine for nine on PATs. He was one for two on field goals. And I believe his one make was against Utah. So yeah, so a guy that hasn't had a, a ton of experience uh, at UCLA and looking for playing time, but I know he's a kicker and I actually did. This is probably like the most research I've ever done on a kicker. His high school, he was seven of ten for field goals, sixty three of sixty six for PATs. I even had one like a camp that he went to in in high school, and this is what they said about him. Andrew is an excellent kicker. The lefty has a nice leg and makes kicks with great consistency. Field goals are a real strength. Kickoffs have improved tremendously. Continues to show steady improvement from camp to camp. A confident kicker that does well under pressure. Andrew has the tools to compete at the next level. A fine young man with a great attitude and work ethic has a bright future. But he's not going to miss a field goal after that one. <laughs> Guys, come on. That that was written by his mother. <laughs> But this is what I that like. was the best letter of reference I've ever seen. That was basically his obituary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, it, it, at least we were getting a kicker in, you know, create that competition. We'll see how he does against uh, Jaden Redding, uh, who was here all for spring ball to kind of see who will be the starter come game day against BYU. With the 47th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Marquise Blair, DB, Utah. The Seattle Seahawks select Cody Martin, linebacker from Utah. The San Francisco 49ers select Mitch Wisnowski, um, punter from Utah. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Matt Gay, kicker out of Utah. The Indianapolis Colts, Jackson Barton, tackle Utah. So the past weekend was the NFL draft. I think it was a great weekend for the Utes. You know, I, I think if you look at their last couple draft classes or, or guys that were eligible to be drafted, um, not to take anything away from these seniors, uh, but it kind of seemed like this was maybe a, a smaller group compared to other ones. But overall, I, I want to say it was pretty successful for the Utes to get five guys drafted and then everyone signed either to a, as a free agent or invited to minicamp. Yeah, huge. Uh, I mean, th- this program just continues to turn out talent and, and put them in and put them in the league, which, you know, social media, Twitter was just barraged over the weekend with all of these national commentators talking about Utah and the fact that they don't recruit with the UCLA's, the USC's of the world. And yet they're putting way more um, draft picks into the league each and every year. I mean, this draft is successful as it was. And even in years past, I mean, Utah has got to get the message out. They've got to start telling all of their recruits that they are the best. They are ranked the best player development program in the country. They're not, you know, we're just not signing the the sheer amount of four or even five star guys that these big time programs do year in and year out. We're we're beating them in draft picks, and uh, you know, it's just we've got to market that. We've got to we've got to get that message out. And again, you know, to an extent, a lot of these kids. They're, it's not good enough for them. They're still going to go for the shiny uniforms and the and the the blue blood schools. But kids that really want to work hard, that want to buy into the program and and get coached 
at a very high level and continue to be pushed, have the ability to get to get to the league at Utah. And there's not a lot of programs that necessarily can do that, even with four and five star kids. So out of all the guys that got drafted, who were you guys the most kind of shocked or surprised with either they got picked or how high they got picked? I would say Mitch Wisnowski going in the fourth round was a bit of a shocker. Uh, you, you you just typically don't see a punter go that high, um, you know, and then that's followed up by Matt Gay, um, you know, two special teamers getting drafted in the fourth and fifth round. I think that's that's pretty remarkable, and that sends a pretty strong message special teams-wise. Um, but uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool seeing Blair go in the second round. Uh you know, he, he was a JC guy, just not a real heralded recruit when we got him two years ago. And he came in here and he's just just beat heads in and just blast people. And that got the attention of, of NFL teams, especially Pete Carroll. You know, he, he talks about just wanting guys that are thumpers. And uh, that proved to be enough to get to, to get Blair into the second round. And uh, I mean, he, he got picked over uh, Rapid uh, Washington to 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 go play in Seattle. I think that speaks volumes right there for uh, what they see in him and his abilities at the next level. I think my the biggest surprise for me was was definitely Wishnowski. Not not that he doesn't have the ability to be drafted, but how often do you see a team pick a guy that's going to guarantee him where he's selected? over $3 million and have that be a kicker. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that great for him. And I mean, that shows what, uh, what they think of his abilities, but, uh, I mean, that was probably the biggest shock for me. Well, and, and when you say a kicker, I mean, he's not even putting points on the board. I mean, he's, not, he's, he's just, just, he's just flipping the field. He's flipping the field. He's not, he's not, you know, he's not helping the team put points on the board. And, I mean, and you saw it um, in the conversations that the 49ers had. They did not want to let Mitch get away. And, you know, that's how highly they thought of him and uh, how important they thought he would he would be to get on that team. So it speaks volumes really to, to, to the type of kicker that he is and the impact that he can have. And, and really, Utah special teams is looking really, really good at this at this moment. And Mitch was the first player that signed a contract in this draft, too. Um, so something to kind of look at. The 49ers really wanted him. Well, he he, he didn't want the 49ers to change their mind either. <laughs> uh, I think for me, the biggest surprise was Cody Barton going in the third round. Uh, and, and really, it's just, I think the overall surprise was just how much Cody has grown in the Utah program. I mean, heck, a, a year ago, who would have thought that he would have been drafted and, and drafted in the third round speaks volumes yeah, I mean, again, to your point, Scott, about player development under a Winningham program, you know, guys that I'm not, I mean, I won't beat around the bush. He wasn't an NFL guy two years ago to now going in the third round that speaks volumes. Dude, and I think that's something recruits look at. He, you could argue he wasn't a Pac-12 guy two years ago, let alone an NFL guy. I mean, he was getting ridiculed by this fan base for missed tackles, being out of position. Just, you know, he, he had his struggles early on. 
you know, up. But I mean, credit to him. Who who in this program has kind of come through that situation where being really so shaky to turning into being one of the biggest studs on a great defense? And turning that into a third round draft pick, I mean, it's it's really somewhat unheard of to to make that type of progress in that amount of time and and completely turn the tables on his reputation. So, out of the four guys that weren't drafted, Chase Hansen, Ballard, uh, Lowe, and Agasiva, out of those four guys, who do you guys think may have the best chance at making an NFL roster um, come season opener? I mean, that's kind of tough because, you know, there's there's always a need for offensive linemen. So I think they have both Agasiva and uh, Falamaka have a good shot. But from an athletic standpoint, I think, I mean, I, I really think the only reason Chase didn't get drafted is because uh, his, his, well, two reasons. He's a little bit injury prone, as we've seen throughout his career here. And he he wasn't able to work out due to injury. So 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 as long as uh he's healthy and uh gets a fair shot with the saints i I don't see why he wouldn't make the team i i think he's got a great shot i quite frankly i think all those guys have a pretty good opportunity to make the team um whether you know maybe maybe in some cases it's only going to be practice squad type uh opportunity for some of them but i think i think chase hansen's almost a lock you don't you don't get a guy who was nearly the Pac-12 player of the year, probably should have been Pac-12 player of the year, and then not even make an NFL squad or practice squad. I think, as Ryan pointed out, the only reason he didn't get drafted is he's old and he's got injuries. Nobody was gonna you know really waste a draft pick on that, or at least anything that's um, maybe only a late round draft pick. But I I think. He, he's going to be the perfect type of special teams player that the NFL will drool over. I mean, you you look at, I mean, take example, the Saints. They've got they've got a, a has-been quarterback that's a special teams ace for them right now. And uh, getting all the attention in the world. Now, 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 you, now you bring them another Mormon that can play special teams, and they're going to be stacked. So it's, uh, I, I think it's a pretty... That's Latter-day Saint to you. Latter-day Saint. <laughs> but no, I, I, I think he's a lock. I would be absolutely shocked if he does not make the team. I, I definitely agree with you guys. I think Hanson's kind of the easy pick there. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm really rooting for for. I mean, I'm rooting for all of them. Uh, but I think it'd be fun to see Ballard stick with the Panthers. Uh, that's a guy you know who came in and and worked his butt off at the U. Really hoping to, to kind of hear his name in the, in the later rounds, but it didn't happen for him. But at least, you know, he, he signed as a, a free agent uh, uh, with the Panthers, and hopefully, you know, he gets that, that fair shot. If all these guys put in the work that they put in at Utah to get where they were here, I don't, they'll, they'll get, they'll have a chance. Hopefully, it, pay, hopefully it pays out, pays off for them. My, my last thought on the draft. Having to cheer for the Seahawks is really going to be hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. With a couple Utes up there, but I, I don't know. I, I'll do it for them, I guess. Well, at this point, you kind of got to cheer for most every team in the league because there's Utes all over the all over the league. Point. That's true. I mean, the presence is growing, and it's and it 
not to get off topic, I mean, it's really not off topic, but if you want to project out next year's draft, if every one of these guys plays well and stays healthy, you could see eight or so guys get drafted next year off this team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, this is maybe head in the clouds a little bit, but uh, if, if things go well, there's a chance you could see 11 youths drafted next year. Which which would be unheard of for Utah. I mean, give me a break. That's that's how much potential is on this team, and and there's a number of guys that are going to go early, in uh, Jalen Johnson, Lecky Fotu, um, and Zach Moss. You know, those three alone probably are you know first couple first couple of rounds, maybe third round at the latest. But there's so much talent on this team coming back next year that. Uh, I, I think they're going to be able to have a, a huge, huge year in the draft. And that's why I said to kind of start this segment out. This was supposed to be, you know, kind of the smaller, quote unquote, weaker draft class uh, they've had in, in some seasons. They still I think, a very successful uh, draft for Utah. Uh, as we get uh, go on with the show, we want you to know that we're brought to you by Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City, 110 West, 600 South. Give them a call at 801-359-7800, or you can always check them out at Hilton.com. All right, so before we finish talking about football, I did want to bring up one subject uh, that kind of hit Twitter this week. So Utah gave out a championship ring for the South Division. I'm okay with it. I think it's it's for the players. It's for the kids. It gets them excited. It actually helps recruiting, I think, as well. But what were you guys' thoughts kind of about the rings should they have done it for South division? I couldn't care less really. I mean, you're right, Cam, it is for the players. And if the, if the team wants to, to recognize what they did, um, I'm all all for it. I think it's silly. I mean, give me a break. If, If this is the experience for the players, they accomplish something that no other team at, U- at the University of Utah has ever accomplished. And uh, they played for a Pac-12 title. Yeah, they didn't win. So, But guess what, guys? The, the, the ring doesn't say Pac-12 champions on it. So it's not like we're doing some false advertising here. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't see a big issue with it at all. You know, those guys accomplished something that it was still pretty darn, pretty, pretty darn big. And... Uh, Heck, they lost the bowl game, so they couldn't get bowl rings, so they had to get them somewhere. So I I, th- I think uh, I, I have no problem with it. And at the end of the day, you know, it's something that those guys are going to be able to take and and uh, and remember for the rest of their lives. And I, I think if people are outraged about it, I just think it's silly because, why, I mean, really, why does it matter? Well, and every, you know, Power Five conference does this. You have to keep up with the Joneses uh, as far as, as you know, big-time programs. Uh, so now let's kind of shift over in, into the basketball with the running Utes. So this week in the Desert News, there was, you know, an article with, with Larry. Scott, let's just, I, I want to kick it over to you. What kind of, let, let's kind of break down what was going on with, with Larry in that article. Uh, you know, it was kind of like a soap opera, Days of Our Lives article, man. It was... Uh, it just, yeah, I don't think it, it came across and all that positive on Larry. Um, kind of just defending himself, defending his staff, defending decisions that they've made. And 
And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of, to me, it kind of came across a little pouty um, a little bit, but um, you know, he, he makes some good points. Obviously there's, there's definitely some lines in there in the, in the article that you uh, fans did not like. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with them either, but you know, this is the Des news who knows how much of it you can trust, but, um, <laughs> but you know, obviously Larry, I, I think Larry's in a position where he, 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 he feels the heat. He knows fans are not happy about the lack of getting to the tournament and uh all the transfers and just all the negativity that's surrounding the program at the moment and uh you know i think it was he, he probably looked at it as an opportunity to you know defend himself defend his program and and uh and to an extent you know it, it came across or he had some uh he had some uh moment there basically saying kind of the fans need to stay out of my business. And, um, I, I think that falls down to a lot that goes on, um, with player transfers that fans don't know about. They don't know all the nitty gritty details that are happening behind the scenes and, and why a player leaves or maybe why a player is shown the door. And, uh, all we see is just another player leaving and everybody goes overreacts about it. And so to an extent I can understand where he's coming from, but I'm not sure. It, I'm not sure it put the best light on he or the program at the moment. I don't think he has any room to tell the fans what to, what to think. I mean, in eight seasons, he's been to the NCAA tournament twice, been to the NIT three times. And that means they've gone nowhere three times. I think the fans have every right to be upset and wanting to know what's going on with that program. It shouldn't take a school like Utah this long to get back to where they need to be. They should be in the NCAA tournament almost every year. Oh, and I'm and, not, I like the idea of my coach being disappointed we didn't make the NIT. That, sure, that, yeah. either, that either tells you he literally had zero expectations for that team last year, and maybe getting to the NIT would have been a huge accomplishment, um, or it just tells you maybe the, the expectations aren't where they need to be. I don't know, but, um, you know, a lot can be said about uh, the, the, the situation that they're in, the transfers, um, the constant player turnover and, and, you know, not recruiting at the level necessary to really compete in the, in the pack 12 and, and, and get to the NCAA tournament. So the, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of fans and a lot of fans, uh, I mean, attendance hasn't been all that great. Um, you know, it's definitely, t it's definitely taken a step back, even though it's probably one of the better ones. Uh, I think it's a, finished uh, second or third this year in, in, uh, in the conference, but, uh, there's, there's a lot of room for growth and he admits that, but at, at this point we got to start seeing some results and, uh, you know, there's, there's some more player turnover going on right now. Another commit that uh, we'll jump into here in a minute, but some of these, uh, some of these, 
um, additions have got to be huge additions because they've got to work out and they've got to work out quick. So I'm a big Larry fan. I'm not going to hide it. I think he's a good coach. But I, I agree what's being said. And I think this article, it's almost like Larry's finally letting it out that things are getting to him. I mean, let's let's just look at his current situation. The AD who hired him isn't there. His biggest supporter in the booster ranks is no longer there. I mean, we are or hearing... with us. Sorry, yes. And all due respect. We are hearing rumblings of, of boosters maybe, you know, being unhappy with, with Larry. And maybe this article... I don't know, maybe I'm reading in too much into it, we're too, reading too much into it, but it seems like the frustration of of everything, all the negativity pointing towards Larry has finally maybe reached its point, and it came out in this article. Scott said it right in the beginning that he's he's feeling the heat. I think he's. I think it's not only the fans he's feeling it from. I think he's feeling it from boosters. I think he's feeling it from Mark Harlan. And... Uh, I think he knows he needs to produce or he's going to see, be shown the door. You know, and, and one, this is my, this is my personal gripe. You know, he, he defends, you know, the fact that uh, they exceeded expectations again in the regular season. And I, I think we need to get past, and I agree they did, they, they exceed expectations every year. But basically, then we're then we're, we're we're admitting that whatever the media picks is accurate, and uh, simply exceeding that expectation is good enough for your program. I think is silly. I don't care how many times we finish in the top four. If if we finish in the top four and we keep losing in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, what good does it do you? I'd rather finish eighth and go upset somebody for crying out loud and, and make a run in the tournament. So yes, do we want to finish in the top four and get a buy? But if you can't take advantage of it, what's the point? At some point he's got, his teams have got to start doing something beyond the regular season. You have got to be good enough to put yourself in a position where you can do something in the postseason, And that's the problem. At the end of the day, Nobody remembers good regular seasons. They remember what you did in the postseason. And until Larry and the staff and program start doing that again, it, it's not going to be good. I don't care how many times we finish in the top four. If it doesn't lead to anything, I just don't care. If you look back at, at Majerus's tenure, that's what he was that's what he's remembered for. I mean, he had some good regular seasons. But he was he's remembered because he constantly went to sweet sixteens, obviously a couple of elite eights and final four and championship game. I mean that you're right, it is postseason. Well and and I mean that year nineteen ninety eight, we lost two regular season games. It was an amazing regular season. Nobody remembers it. Why? Because we went to the final four. That's what's remembered. It's it's postseason play, and it's the same with football. It's what you do in bowl games or getting yourself to the playoff. You know, yes, obviously you want to be consistent and you want to have good regular seasons, and they're necessary to put yourself in a position to accomplish those postseason goals. But the regular season is not an end-all, be-all. You have to go beyond that, and at some point this program has to do it. 
or or you got to get a new coach that uh, can get the job done because you know we're just kind of spinning in circles um, at this pace. So stepping aside from the article now, there are some changes w- uh, with the program. Uh, so Coach Locum left, went to UNLV. Donnie Daniels uh, coming back from Gonzaga. It uh, looks like he will be more of a back office almost like an, an assistant to Larry, kind of help him uh, there. He won't be on the bench. Uh, so Utah is currently interviewing uh, for that position for, for a bench coach. What we're hearing is that Larry really wants a guy with AAU ties. So pretty much he needs someone that can recruit. You've got to have some connections to the AAU circuit and these teams because that's how you get players. Or unless you're like Arizona, you just pay for them. But You've got to be able to get those guys, and Slocum was the connection on that staff to go and 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 get those and the AAU guys and have the contacts and and was a big part of the recruiting process. And so, by losing him, you have to get somebody who's got some experience, who's got some ties, and can produce players because you just cannot continue to get fringe players and and. Uh, and then rely on exceeding expectations with those guys. You got to get some stars. You got to get some studs. And I think this this hire is probably going to be pretty darn crucial to Larry um, because he's he's getting the end of his rope. And they've got to they got to produce, and you got to get some studs to help you do that. So I'll be interested uh, to see. Kind of, uh, there's a couple of names that uh, have. Uh, not, not not necessarily big names that I've heard, but uh, guys that uh, are are heavily involved in the AAU circuit. It'll be interesting to see if that's the route they go. I agree with those points, Scott. And, and again, you know, a lot of change uh, with this Utah program with, with Slocum leaving. You know, and Jace Johnson, who you know, going to be the starting center, is is transferring. He was at Nebraska. Uh, now he's visiting Marquette. You know, kind of crazy. You know, a guy that would get significant time is looking to leave. Obviously, we've heard other, you know, kind of reasons why. But do you guys think it's going to hurt the program next season not having, you know, a, a veteran center? Well, it uh, it all depends on uh, if these young guys coming in can uh, can step up and kind of fill that void. I. I, I, I definitely think it's a loss because I think I think Jace is uh, for all the criticism he gets he he's kind of he's come a long way and he's really started to I would say over the last half of, of last season he was pretty solid game in and game out he, he was he was never going to be a superstar but he was good defend uh, defensively down low he rebounded well. Um, and he even had some moments where he was pretty good offensively. Um, I think he could have had a, probably a pretty good year here at Utah. But from everything I've heard that, uh, you know, he, he wanted a bigger role. And, and not sure, uh, didn't sound like the coaching staff was all in favor of how big of a role he wanted. And uh, um, therefore, you he's out visiting the Nebraskas and Marquettes and seeing, uh, seeing what option he can get out there. Yeah. I think even if, even if uh, these younger guys step up and, and we end up not missing him from a standpoint of, uh, of his play on the floor, 
it's just another black eye for the program when another starter leaves uh, and and transfers out. It's just it's just becoming it's becoming the norm for the program. Yeah, it definitely doesn't look look good for the program. What you're saying and look good for Larry. And obviously, not everyone who has left has left on their own. Sometimes it's been the program needing to move on, um, not necessarily the the player moving on. Uh, I, I'm never going to fault a, a kid for transferring. It's their life. It's their basketball career. Whatever they want to do with it, it's their right. Uh, the, I think the timing is very interesting uh, in this aspect for for Jace. A big news though, a, a big positive for Utah is they got a, a new commit, uh, Brendan Wenzel. A shooting guard from Texas. I think this is a, a very good get for Utah, especially after losing, you know, Parker Van Dyke and Bearfield um, uh, to, to graduation. A, a kid who shot forty-one percent from three in high school, and again, you know, that's high school, college is a whole nother level, especially Division One. But if a kid can shoot in high school, a lot of times that leads to believe they can shoot in college or at least have a, a good chance at it. And I think Utah really needed more outside shooting, and I think Wenzel's really going to help out in that. Yeah, I, I, it, it was a must-need. They had to add some shooters, otherwise next year was going to be real difficult. And granted, he is a, he's going to be a true freshman, young guy, but he's got, he's got great size at 6'6", and really a, a pretty darn good shooter. And if he can continue to develop that, and just his body alone, we, we really need more guys in the program that have that type of length. You know, the you see that at the Oregons, the USC, the Arizonas of the of the conference. And and we just we don't have that consistently. We don't have that size and athleticism. Um, obviously, you know, he's not a huge recruit. So hopefully he can come in and kind of exceed expectations and and uh, and, and really develop into a big time player. But I think he, he's got he's got some important skill sets that uh, that every team needs, and he can shoot the ball and he can shoot it well. And even if that's all you get from him early um, as a freshman, I think that's going to be enough because you're going to need that outside shooting. Losing, as you mentioned, Bearfield and Parker Van Dyke, and and uh, that's just a huge hole and a, and a void that had to be filled by somebody. Um, they tried some graduate transfers and JCs, you know, nothing's really panned out. Um, who knows if uh, with Chase leaving, if they're going to still um, make another addition uh, um, to the program. But uh, at least he, he was a must get um, with 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 not being able to get some of these other guys that they went after. Well, I think that's a great spot to end the episode on, on a high note on basketball Yes, it can kind of be down at times, but with this recruiting class, it, things, it looks like things are, are, are looking up, and, and hopefully things can continue to get turned around. And again, I'm a big Larry fan. I, I hope he's, he's here uh, for, for quite a while and he has success. Uh, Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. Scott? Uh, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always catch us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. Please be sure to subscribe to us anywhere you listen to a podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We are on all the platforms. So go ahead and subscribe and, and give us a rating. We appreciate that. 
Until next time, go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die, Kayai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. The, the CH is silent, Cam. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> All right. I think, it, I think it's spelled Andrew or it's pronounced Andrew Gerdry. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. In my phone, it looks like Ryan is like looking up at Scott. <laughs> I'm looking up at my TV. <laughs> you know what it is? It's the Brady Bunch. It's the opening. Of the Brady Bunch. Here's the story. <laughs> Hi, Greg and Alex. <laughs> Oh, Jan. I, I, I did, uh, the article didn't talk about this, but I've heard through the grapevine that Larry is going to be putting uh, some, some rings together for the team that says we almost made the NIT. Oh, my God. <laughs> and cut. <laughs>